You know what else matches the uh, the last story? I mean, just right after the sissy encounter, he wakes up and he makes blueberry pancakes. <laughs> and then in, in the Remembering Melodies, is always like, oh, you always love blueberry pancakes yeah. and stuff. So maybe George likes blueberry pancakes. You're listening to episode 41 of The Bastards of Kingsgrave. Welcome back, everyone, as we continue our review of George R. R. Martin's earlier works. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined by some recurring guest hosts who will introduce themselves in chronological order. Oh. Uh, I think that maybe <laughs> I'm I'm Mordian, or uh, I'm Mordian on the forums, or Michael. Uh, I'm Amber. <laughs> Amber rocks on the forums. I'm Greg. Claudius the Fool on the forums. I hope we're going in the correct order. I don't know. Um, I'm Lee. I'm Lord Manderly on the forums, and I, I think I'm last. You're the fourth born. <laughs> fourth born. The baby. Fourth, fourth son of a fourth son, by any chance? <laughs> You're the yeah. unlikely. First of a sixth. Okay. So we're covering two stories today. We're covering Remembering Melody, uh, released in 1981, and Portraits of His Children, released in 1986. Uh, we'll be starting with Remembering Melody. I, I feel like these two stories are kind of related in multiple ways, which we'll mention as we get to the second story. But just starting with Remembering Melody, uh, let's do a round of lemon cakes. How did you rate this one? <laughs> if I were going based on how much I enjoyed the story, it would be a very different number than uh, <laughs> whether I think the story is good. I mean, it was really, uh, when I was picked it up to reread, it was like I got a paragraph in, and then it was like she rang the doorbell and he looked through the through the um, people, and it was like the same like gut punch that hit him sort of hit me. I was like, oh, this. So, but as, you know, in terms of uh, did, did he uh, make me feel what I think he wanted me to, I, I think he definitely did. So uh, pretty high, uh, 4, 5, 4.5 maybe like that. Um, yeah, I gave it 3.75, kind of for the same reason, except I weighted the emotional response a little heavier. It's a good story. I think he does what he intends to do, but um, it's just so unenjoyable that I couldn't didn't want to rate it much higher than that. Uh, yeah, I actually gave it a three point seven five. Also, um, I mean, I think it was kind of spoiled for me. Like I knew she was a ghost pretty early on because the illustration at the beginning of the story shows a ghost <laughs> caressing a man's face. That's so that was yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, he it, like, it was a gut punch, and it really kind of made me think back on people I knew 10 years ago and, you know, how far apart, you know, I've sort of fallen from a lot of people, but it, you know, it was a good ghost story. It was, this was the first real, just contemporary, like regular straight horror story of Martin's that I've read. Everything else has been sci-fi or fantasy. And I really enjoyed it. It just reminded me, it felt like a classic uh, Twilight Zone episode, but I gave it a solid 3.75. It wasn't, uh, you know, one of my favorites, but it's, it's not my least favorite either. So are you the Ted or the Melody? I actually think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, I'd probably give it like a like a three point five. It, it's good. It's it's like a good creepy story. But it it may just be that like you know I know what it's like to have friends you drift away from. Everybody does. But like I I'm not like I haven't quite reached the same point as the character in the story. So it's a little hard for me to um, put myself in his shoes quite as much. But also just like it's it, it's good. But it's not for me. It's not a particularly like great one of his stories. It's creepy. Um, and the ghost part is is clever, and it's one of his more traditional. But it, it's none of the, it's not one of the ones where like I reread through, like I reread through Dream Songs, and this isn't a story that I've reread. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd give it a solid three point five as well. Pretty much agree with everything you said. It actually was his first made big horror one. I think he did. It was inspired by Lisa Lisa Tuttle, who was doing her own work, and he decided to do try it out. So that shows. I mean, he's done better horror elsewhere, but it's a solid story and worth covering. I think so. <clears throat> All right, so we're basically going to jump in and just have a spoiler-filled chat about it. Uh, but other than Greg, who was spoiled from the artist's work, were any of you, like, get that she might be a ghost or something supernatural going on, or did it hit you with a surprise by the end? I didn't yeah. really see it coming, but um, I definitely felt like when it did happen, it, it just seemed a little heavy-handed. It just his kind of descent into panic kind of... M- Tipped the, it tipped his hand, I thought. Yeah, I actually sort of agree with that. I had um, 
I don't know, at least partially forgotten on the reread that it was uh, a ghost story. Um, and I sort of feel like it's, I don't know, it doesn't really need to be. I don't, I don't know that it, that it adds that much. Like, to me, it's, um, I felt like it was more about the, you know, just sort of the self-examination of, you know, looking at your own past and, like, am I a bad person? Like, what is my obligation? You know, like, what are, what are promises I made, you know, 10 years ago worth? Like, how much do I have to spend to keep them? That kind of thing. Like, that stuff was interesting and, and good. The ghost story stuff, like, when I was, you know, talking about, like, you know, the gut punch and stuff before, the ghost story stuff sort of rolls off me. Like, I don't, I didn't really feel that particularly. That didn't bother me. Sorry. Is a ghost nearby? Yeah. <laughs> you can detect. So, much worse can't than find my mute button. <laughs> I know. So if you look at uh, early in the story, that I mean, there is kind of hints. I mean, he's like usually he gets a warning when people come in. This yeah, with a door. Yeah. Yeah. But then the Jehovah's Witnesses got in. So. Got in as well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were ghosts. <laughs> but I mean, like after them in particular, security is even tighter. Probably They're like can't let this happen again. Plus, like the Jehovah Witness might have been able to like bluff his way in, but she kind of, you can kind of tell she's on the down low right now. Like, the doorman probably wouldn't let her in. Sure, yeah. Like, just the visual description is really hitting yeah. in the story. It's just like, she's basically like a gaunt skeleton kind of person and fading. And Yeah, like, these yeah. are the first of the stories we've done. These are the, I think both of them, they, they kind of really just have unlikable narrators. I mean, I guess Rob a little bit from Song of Lie. I wasn't, like, a real hero, but these are the first two that I really... He I was didn't, a murderer, like, Greg, I, I, a murderer. <laughs> Rob, Rob was a murderer. Uh, nothing. I had a, a theory on the forums, but don't oh, I? that's right. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but anyway, like he, I just, I didn't like them, and I almost, I, I felt like it was Melody's story more than his because he really just was doing everything he could just to get her, get her out of there. And I felt like it would have been more powerful if she hadn't been a ghost, like if she had actually killed herself in his bathtub and he had to deal with it rather than just getting, you know, freaked out and, and haunted on the phone a little bit. But it's, uh, I did like it, but I, I like, I. The ghost stuff is a little less of a gut punch than uh, than if she actually had killed herself in the bathtub. Did she kill herself basically when they didn't? Uh, did nobody contacted her back? Like when from that telegram? Was I, that? What, what I think was? that's what we're meant to believe. Where you know, she sent that telegram to the four of them, and they no no one responded. So no sympathy for him, Greg. Some sympathy. I can I can understand, but uh, I don't know. He's just like he just wants her out of there. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, it's not. It's on. You know, it's on top the first of a time mountain of came, history. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's done yeah. a lot, and she's been there a lot. I definitely, I mean, like, I, I'm not saying I wanted to be best pals with him or anything, but uh, I, I had a lot of sympathy for him. I didn't feel like he was doing anything wrong. I mean, you know, it was a place he'd been in before, and it, it's not like he didn't feel bad about it a lot. You know, like, he he wished, you know, he he wasn't unreflective about it. He thought about, like, you know, what do I owe her? You know, what have I done in the past? And, and things like that. I don't know. I felt sorry for him. Yeah, it sounded like they all, the the other three of the group, you know, gave it years and years worth of, of effort to, to bring her back. And, you know, I, I was totally on his side. I didn't, I mean, yeah, he was cruel, but I wanted to just punch her in the face. Yeah, I mean, at some point you have no choice. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, you either devote yourself to this person who's you know it's like a drowning person who's dragging you down right i mean you either mm -hmm. devote your life to that or else you have to cut it and if you decide to cut ties then you know being cruel is part of that you know sort of uh inextricably. yeah yeah it's really it's tragic too i mean like she was such a free spirit in college and it just went all downhill for her afterwards yeah it's also like it's one of those things where it's it's pretty interesting from a psychological perspective because he is pretty cruel, but he's also right. Like you you have to cut people off at a certain point. Like there's a you can it's something that's really hard for people to learn. But like at a certain point, like you have to take care of yourself. You can't just like take care of a friend who's as much of a disaster as Melody is forever. Mm. Yeah. What do you suppose would have happened if he'd have just been like, okay? Yeah, like I was wondering that too. Living in his house. Yeah. Well, I thought it was kind of like, you know, like she was testing him. Actually, yeah. I had a note here. Like, was this just a test that he failed? Like, did maybe the, some of the other friends might have passed it? Or it seems like he's only she's gotten to one of them so far. But like if she had if he had given her money or let her stay, like maybe she would have just disappeared and found peace or something like that. Would have been a worse story. Yeah. But I felt like he did fail it. If, if it was a test, he definitely. Failed. Yeah, well, he, when he was trying to force her out and she was accepting, she's like, at least won't you remember me or whatever. I think maybe if she had he'd be given a bit yeah. or something, then she might not have mm -hmm. done yeah. that thing. 
Um, but it looks, seems like even the third person is screwed over now. Like either she failed the test or. Well, it part. seems like it's in the it's, she's in the middle of the test or something. Or well, that was my take. Hmm. So she still has a chance to pass or fail, but. You know what I liked about it is like I mean there's a ghost story in here and then he goes back to the office and he's like I'm gonna think about this like logically and try to like deduce what's going on. <laughs> yeah. He sticks to his guns. Yeah. In the middle of a irrational situation. Yeah, he seems to have done better than his friend who was in the hospital uh, after yeah. having a nervous yeah. breakdown. But he can't take a shower anymore. He's well, you know, <laughs> obviously there's some problems. <laughs> it's scary too, and not just scary. Like the part that's scary isn't just the ghost part it's her she's what's scary like the idea of like someone ruining your life like that yeah absolutely i mean yeah that's a lot scarier to me than the ghost part <laughs> yeah yeah i couldn't believe exactly. he let her stay and like took off to work yeah yeah he did have that really good line where he said uh it was like after the, he had gone out and come back and he says i want you out of my life and when you're gone i'm gonna forget you as quick as i can because lady you are one hell of a bad memory you know that's just it's a it's it's awful the way he's treating her but i i do understand but i just i kind of feel like he maybe he sees that like he could have this could have happened to any one of them and just that it happened to her maybe there is some kind of responsibility but at the same time it is kind of unrealistic to expect people when they're 20 21 years old to you know to stick by what they said you know yeah when they were having a drunk orgy at the time. Yeah, yeah and it's, a, it's an extreme example of, of what happens to a lot of people. Everyone pretty much, like, you distance from people. This is the most extreme yeah. example, but you get that distancing of the people you used to know. Did we get an idea of how long it's been? Like, 20 years? I think it's supposed to be, like, that they were friends in, like, the mid-60s, and I think this is supposed to be, like, 79, 1980. Mm. So it's probably been, like, 15 yeah. Yeah. Like George, and in, in this and in other works as well, you kind of see he talks. It's kind of like a reflection of him in some ways. Like he had a lot of stuff going on in the '60s, early '70s, and then I think yeah, this is late '70s when it was written. So I think he drew upon his own experiences of living with people in houses and stuff. I don't know how much he drew upon it. <laughs> it's also drawn upon, but uh, yeah. Yeah, the other hint that, that she was a ghost was probably when he, he comes back and she says, I sold some stuff to get some coke and the stereo's still there. Because <laughs> he's like, what, I didn't notice that she sold. She didn't actually steal anything. Yeah. So that would have been one of the first things she would have taken. Mm. But she like her artwork wasn't in the garbage. The dishes were washed. There was like no trace of anything. Just the, uh, the, the the fortune cookie was very convenient. And it said old friends are best friends. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, and it was. I mean, he, he intentionally it was this way, and, and there's some people who are like that too. She was so like annoying when she's like, "Coffee's bad for you," and like, "Chinese food is bad for you," and yeah, she's like, "All these drugs herself." It's like, okay. Yeah. It's like, well, and then all... she puts the soy sauce all over her food. It's like, come on. I know people like that though. Like they're yeah. vegan, but everything they eat they cover in like soy sauce and salt or something. Like, <laughs> I'm rereading it right now. Actually, I I've forgotten how strong the um like vibe is maybe um, well just like i forgot how creepy like the very end is where he calls and melody picks up the phone oh yeah um i don't know i guess maybe the last time i read it it didn't it didn't sink in as well for me I and mean, it's scarier than i remember it being she always threatened suicide in the past too yeah that was her thing <clears throat> Yeah, he really thought he was just playing like the tough love where he says, you know, if she was going to kill herself, she would have. But little does he know, she actually has. So <laughs> you're wrong on that account. <laughs> so do we think he's going to just go crazy hmm. now? Because I kind of, hmm. it, it, it seemed like there might be some, some hope for him, like once he's figured it out. But I mean, if she keeps coming back and keeps coming back, he clearly was pretty disturbed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I guess it's one of those. I mean, if she's gonna, you know, if the ghost is gonna continue to return, then I don't know if anybody could really stay sane in the face of that. But oh, yeah, it's bad enough as a person. Yeah, coming it's back. How bad the haunting is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it, people. If they were actually being haunted, I would just have an effing heart attack and die. I can't wrap my head around that. Like. My, my mom always said, like, if my father ever showed up to me one day, I want him to see him coming from far away because I don't want to just flip a sheet while I'm doing laundry and have him stare me in the face because I have a heart attack and die. Like, <laughs> I, that's, that's exactly what I would do. Just ghosts, I can't handle it. It seems like she's always in the shower. You can't go in the shower. That's, like, the one place. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure whether she is, I guess, you know, whether the ghost is actually always manifesting or whether at that point he's just having uh, psychological, yeah. 
But it's nowhere else that he can't go. He just can't go in a washroom that has a shower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm yeah. Just fever at that point. Hmm. Because he always keeps hearing the water in his head when there's no water running. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess it's hard to say like what's in his head and what isn't his head when it's all in his head. But like, I get the impression that she only really haunts him when she appears and when she pops up at the end. I feel like the 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 like sound of water is just his paranoia. That's that was yeah. my take as well. I mean, yeah, I, I can't forget the image. They always remember it. Yeah, I don't really have anything, I guess, solid to build it on. But that was my impression too. <clears throat> it's funny how the, the ghost can just pick up the phone too and talk. You know? I mean, I guess it's still <laughs> in his head, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, cell phones. It like... would say for a melody on the color ID. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, this came out uh, the shine the book The Shining came out like in seventy seven. This was in between the book and the movie, but that also has like one of the most iconic, you know, creepy bathroom scenes with all you know the lady in the bathtub, and then she comes mm. out and she's dead. So I was thinking they might have been partially inspired by that, but I honestly don't remember if that was a scene in the book or that was something that Kubrick did just for the movie. Trying to make connections with creepy bathrooms. That's a tough place not to be able to go in. I mean, at least in the kitchen, you can get takeout. Yeah, like, I don't know what I'd do without a bathroom. <laughs> a hard life. Yeah, that's what would give me a heart attack. Just take outdoor showers in the rain or something. Ghosts you can handle, but no bathroom. Yeah, but like, there's no bathroom. I like, to, I like to think I would pretty stubbornly get you, surprisingly. <laughs> you could get used to it if it was only that you could go in a washroom with a shower. That's like the only Yeah, yeah and I mean, maybe he could just have a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> or just like use like a pail and water or something, just like pour water on himself. Like you could get around it. I mean, he's a lawyer, right? Mm. He's got money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He does. And he was in a relationship with the other lawyer, right? It wasn't obvious at the start, but later on you can see. Yeah, that. sort of a friends with benefits kind of thing sounded like. Yeah. And now that's done because of this craziness. Just wanted to note, like, so these this was actually adapted twice. There's a student film, apparently, who did this. Uh, they they filmed this. Uh, that's probably impossible to get. But there's also an HBO anthology series, The Hitchhiker, that I guess one of the episodes was was uh, for remembering Melody. So I'm gonna see. I just watched that. Yeah, I want to see that. Also, it's adorable that there was a time where like student films could be based on George R. R. Martin short stories. <laughs> I feel like right now, like even the worst of sells for like a billion dollars. Yeah. Well, I know Stephen King actually will let any student make a film of his uh, his stories for a dollar as long as they don't you know sell it for profits. They can they have they can have the rights to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, like short, thing, short yeah. stories, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I've I've seen him before. He's out and about in Maine all the time. Wasn't he like almost he was run over by a car or something? And you wrote a story about that. Yeah, he was. Uh, really that's badly. a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do Stephen King stuff. That'd be, I haven't read very much of him, but that'd be fun. I've read a, a ton of his stuff. I, I'd love to. He's like the one author. We usually don't like gush over authors if they come in the store, but he's the one who I would like close the store, lock the door, and like just sit down and like, all right, I've got questions. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I definitely up to talking about his stuff. But yeah, I did get that kind of story reminded me of like early Stephen King short story from like Night Shift or Skeleton Crew, just that creepy yeah. last paragraph where it's a ghost or the person's dead the whole time. And it, you know, it was written around the same time also, but there's uh, I really yeah. never associate him with Stephen King, but this is the first one that really showed me his just straight horror chops. He's a good horror writer. I mean, Armageddon Rag has some scary moments. Um, Fever Dream is has some really scary moments. I mean, A Song of Ice and Fire is terrifying sometimes. Mm-hmm. So this was in Twilight Zone magazine. Yeah, that's appropriate for this. Okay, I guess we're ready to move on to the next story. Kind of as an intermediate. I mean, we already did Sand Kings before, but this is mentioned here. We already talked about, this is some more details again from the book that I missed. But yeah, he was going to write a second Sand King story. He even wrote 18 pages. He put it aside. Um, and at the time, he didn't think Sand Kings was his big hit. He thought his other stuff that he was writing at the time was bigger, but it's earned him more than some of his novels. And there's, apparently there was going to plan to make a computer game for Sand Kings. I feel like hmm. I got everything more than a drag, so I don't know how meaningful the making him more than one of his novels sentences. <laughs> I think Armageddon Rag was like a net yeah, but loss. Armageddon well, actually Armageddon Rag made him a lot of money from the forward check. Oh he yeah, didn't make any money afterwards? Like he got a big amount of money and he he like, used that to get his house, but then afterwards, oh, I didn't so. yeah, I thought it was just a huge bust. It was a huge bust when it actually came out, but like the the uh, advance check for it was big. Huh, that's they don't make you give that back. No. <laughs> they just don't know they could get you again. So he gave us out of books for a while. Yeah, the royalties never caught up to it. Yeah. I wonder if the next Sand Kings, if he was planning like 
to continue like right where he left off or just do somebody else has some sand kings or maybe they're you know on sand king planet yeah it's on a amarel which has been mentioned before in this thing and it says it was called protection Hmm. he really doesn't seem to like writing sequels Mm. (laughs) harder and harder every year i know he stopped writing tough in like 88 and hasn't written anything since yeah it was heartbreaking would you be happier if Tough Voyaging came out or if Winds of Winter came out? Or like another tough book? Oh, Winds of Winter. Yeah, by yeah. by a long it's way. Just the appetizer. It's, just, it's good, but it's just still... It's, it... After the series is done, after Ice and Fire is done, I think it'd be so cool to have another, another tough. But in the meantime, it'd be, it'd be hard not to... It'd, it'd definitely have to take it with a grain of salt. I don't want to spoil tough, like there's not going to details in it, but it would be hard to pick up where it ended to follow it. La 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 la. (laughs) (laughs) To match what it was, right? Okay. Anyways, okay. So let's move on to uh, portraits of his children. This is 1986. I think this relates to remembering Melody in a few ways. One, it's kind of like a horror type story, but two, it shows like what authors are willing to do: draw upon their past and. in other people's past sometimes and use it in their stories. Like maybe like a melody is based on someone he knew indirectly and maybe it wasn't right to, to do on this much detail. Well, that's like hard to find out what the message of this story is, but uh, let's do lemon cakes. Yeah. Um, I would say probably somewhere 3.5 to 4 range for me. Um, again, like it's not something that I really have a, a good time reading. Um, <laughs> Which makes it really hard for me to do lemon cakes because that's uh, sort of my go-to a lot of the time. But it's also, you know, obviously not a one. So, uh, but yeah, so somewhere three point five four maybe. Um, I gave it like a four point two five ish. Um, also not super enjoyable to read. I didn't dis. I didn't hate the guy like I hated Melody, um, but. I did, I did, it did feel really, it was just such a compelling story that even though it wasn't super enjoyable, I wouldn't want to read it a bunch of times. It definitely hooked you. And, you know, I kind of just continued to think about it after rereading. Um, so good story. Yeah. I kind of want to give it like a 4.5, but I'll give it a four. It's just, I, I love stories that have a a uh, twist to an end, a twisted, you know, where there's a twist at the ending, but I don't like stories that kind of make me feel that I got tricked. And I kind of feel like that's, it was like a, haha, you didn't pick up on this till the very end. And I, I didn't like that hold. Like, I think it would have been a much more powerful story if, if it didn't have that last little, you know, package in the mail. But I just, it just, it dealt with some just such really tough stuff. And, and I, I don't know if it was the edition I was reading, but I had trouble figuring out what was a flashback and what was the dreams flashback in present because the whole time I, I thought he had raped his daughter and I was like, why the hell have I run this out so long? Because he says that in the beginning, like, you raped me, you raped me, and then it takes 25 pages where you yeah. understand, oh, okay, I get what happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just was waiting for this like awful, I don't know, Cormac McCarthy like, ugh, and it didn't happen. I was glad for that. But yeah, I, I'll give it a four. <laughs> Uh, I'd give it, I'd give it like a four and a half, just because it's it's r- really hard to stop reading. Because mm-hmm. um, even though I haven't reread it in a long time, it's <clears throat> very very uncomfortable. Um, but I, or maybe a four point two five. My main issue with it is that like the ending is is sort of baffling in a way that like I I respect, but that is like yeah like like Greg said that is kind of a little off-putting. Um, you feel a little bit, like, tricked, I guess. Um, but I, I really like it, and I, I like how he, it sort of captures this, like, something about being a writer, I think, that is interesting. And it's scary at points. Yeah. I, just, I felt like the story left me with more questions than answers at the end of it, but it still is a great story, and it's it's written from yeah. a very heartfelt, but just a dark place. Yeah. It reminds me most strongly of his... What's the name of the chess one? Oh, and sound variations. variations. It reminds me really strongly of that, but not really of any of his horror short stories. I definitely did feel like, Greg, you were saying that the end of that section where she's like, you raped me. It it felt a little bit almost manipulative that he Mm -hmm. left that for so long. And then she's crawling into bed with him. And it's just like 
Yeah. Right. I literally kept I kept glancing down to like see if if that was gonna be yeah. not that I wanted. I just was like it's gonna be Princess and the Queen kind of stuff here. Yeah. Kind of. I felt like I would have yeah. enjoyed the story more if it if that just line wasn't there. It would have been just as emotionally powerful if she's yelling that at him at yeah. the end. Where, you mm-hmm. know, twenty five pages where you think you're supposed to hate the guy. Actually, for whatever reason, like I never assumed that he'd actually raped her. Yeah, hmm. I was just thinking that too. I, I don't think I did either, or at least. I don't know. I, to me, like the line was obviously was sort of like "we'll get to this later" sort of yeah. a line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like and so, I I was never like, "What's going on? Explain what's happening." Like that didn't happen. Yeah. I was always even like, if you don't believe it, it's there though. It's out there. It's, sure. It's I mean, I guess, but it, it looked like I don't know. To me, it felt like a like a teaser trailer line, like a line that <laughs> was obviously you know something I wasn't necessarily meant to understand the fullness of it. Like I was supposed to. It was gonna come later. And so it didn't irritate me that it did come later. I don't know. Television has trained me well to sort of like hear a line like that and then wait for after the commercial break because it's, you know, it's, yeah. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. I yeah, no, I, but I know what you mean. It's, I had that same feeling. I, I wish that I had not instantly bought into it. <laughs> Just immediately suspicious. Like, yeah, it's a fiction story, but this shit happens all the time. Yeah, I'd give it uh, yeah. 4.25. Uh, solid story, only low. That's not even low, but just compared to other stories, it's not a five. Uh, but it's an important story where George shares his stuff, and the, as he says, the price we writers pay when we mine our dreams and fears and memories. Uh, and this story, just as a backdrop, it won the Nebula and lost the Hugo in 1986. Um, so yeah, let's jump into its spoilerful chat. I mean, do you know if this was ever a- adapted? For TV at all, for some reason, the first time I read it, it just felt familiar. Like, have I seen this somewhere? Hmm. I, I'm not sure what it's reminding me of, but something about the, the pictures or the paintings just seemed very familiar. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say. I don't think it has been, but it, like hmm. most of his works, it could be. It would be really good adapted, I think. Yeah. I think it's... it'd be pretty easy to, to get the point across. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he should just talk to like current graphic novels people, and because yeah, he did sad things, and it's let's so give old. Give him one more project to. to, yeah. to, to <laughs> no, he doesn't have to do anything. He just just sell it, right? He doesn't have to do it. Like, I know, but like he he did sand kings, but that's so long ago, and it's the old style eighties graphics. Now things are a lot different now. It's a much more established medium, and they could just reproduce all his works, yeah. just like Ice Dragon, I guess. There you go. Yeah, just can I ask, like, are you guys, are you writers in your personal, I mean, I know you write for different stuff, but are any of you trying to become, like, authors or writers and professionally? Because I felt like this story was written for mm. writers, and I have, I'm I'm a reader 100%, you know, I'm not trying to write the great American novel, I just love reading, I've never really, I mean, I keep a journal, but I've never wanted to be a writer, and I felt like this is one of those stories that really would pack more of a punch if you were a writer because it goes into the whole how important your creations are compared to your actual children and everything but i didn't know if any of you got more out of it because you were particularly into that or going for that yeah Uh, go ahead sorry i I, like i've never been a writer or anything like that but i don't know i I understand like the the way in which like sometimes he um the way where like when he's fighting he's trying to defend it by explaining like like, the way he knows he did something wrong, but is getting prickly because, like, of an almost legalistic argument um, is something that sort of, like, resonated with me. Yeah, the, I did I did not feel... I thought he was a really great character. Um, like, his fights with his wife and his fights with his daughter. Like, he was being a dick, but he had valid points. Mm-hmm. And it was just too bad that he didn't have... A little bit more empathy and and couldn't go about expressing himself better because of course it's important you know your your career and i i had a bit of sympathy for him yeah, yeah. to the to the extent that i had real problems with him it was um i i feel like he wasn't maybe well and that's not necessarily true what i was going to say was that he wasn't um maybe as good at cognitive dissonance as as he could have been. Like, sort of, like, he can't hold in his head the idea that, yes, you've got to write, and you've got to, you know, there are things that you have to write, but also, even though you have to, you're still bad and wrong for doing it. Like, for me, like, that was, that's sort of the key thing that he was missing, was just that, like, yeah, I understand that you had to, but you should also, you know, be able to acknowledge that what you did was wrong at the same time, but... 
Yeah, it shouldn't take hauntings to get you to yeah. acceptance. Mm-hmm. A couple of ways this guy kind of ties into George is uh, he lives in an area near the steamer captains, and we know that George has written about them, and he's always been interested in steamer captain history. Mm-hmm. From from the same uh, background as a kid, too. Yeah. And obviously he's a writer. <laughs> and then we talked about uh, how, like you said, you had this had Ansan variation vibes, I think, it, especially in terms of the failed marriage because they talk about that in Unsound Variations and here as well and I think I mean like George might have drawn upon his first marriage and maybe like kind of a retrospective and what he might have done wrong in it yeah like mm-hmm. this being too dedicated yeah. to writing I, or kind I of... always forget they were actually married yeah it definitely um, did feel really personal I will say I mean and I I don't have kids so I don't I don't know but like I have trouble believing any father could not could could publish this um and i mean what i mean uh, sorry not this short story but could publish the the novel that cantling writes the 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 one the last one yeah especially with the title he gave it (laughs) dedication right he gives a dedication to his daughter to like out out her basically yeah to my daughter who was raped yeah, that's almost the one part that took me out of it, like the ghosts or the haunting and the creepy portraits I could accept. But it seemed like I, I didn't understand how he was actually defending it. Like, you can see where she's coming from, but it seemed like oh. he's genuinely like he's genuinely like, what are you talking about? I wrote this for you. Why don't you? It just didn't make like you did say, like, it, it doesn't really hold 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 water in that sense. I, I hope not. But yeah, like it's he's in denial. And that's why this whole thing is in his head. Like it's his own he, consciousness he is... breaking free. He is in denial, and like I, I, you can see that, like especially at the with the way the story ends. But it's just like, uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I mean, like, maybe what do I know? And like, I'm not a writer, so I don't know like what your relationship is like with writing. But like, I can see him being compelled to write the story down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. cannot see him taking it to a publisher. Yeah, he's like, he's a, he's a. Sure, he hadn't been able to write for years, and he needed to get the writer's block out, but he didn't need to publish this. He just needed to... Well, and it's surprising that someone along the way, you know, editor or something, wouldn't have... Because I'm sure they all knew. Like, somebody wouldn't have pointed out, you know, hey, do you really think this is the best idea? Yeah, especially, like, he mentions he's been friends with his editor for years. Like, he showed him the the children's things at some point when he was a kid. Like, really? Like, he didn't... We also do know yeah. that every hint is that he's just so self, I don't know if self-centered is the right word, but like he's really, like, yeah, I guess it is. He puts himself before everything, before his family, before his children, that mm-hmm. even from, from before, you know, naming the naming the character instead of his child, Edward, you know. And yeah. so it does make sense that eventually it's, he, mm-hmm. he might have cared about his daughter, but it he cared a little, that much more about himself. Yeah. And I guess that makes sense, but still, it's a pretty, just a pretty dicky thing to do. Yeah. It's just like. It well, makes sense, I guess, as a story. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's an exceptional story. It's artistic license, but it, it pushes me out of the story because I can't picture a man who would do that, being someone his daughter would trust at all. I mean, I kind of think that the way he wound up writing it is, is like you said, sort of had to get it out, kind of a thing. But yeah, then yeah. I, I sort of think of it the same way as I do like the bedtime stories, like that. There's part of him that's, you know really cold and analytical and just is looking at this story and is like this is good you know this is good writing and i you know there's only one thing to do with good writing which is publish it sort of yeah it would be be hard if you yeah if you'd produced something because it went on to what be like number one if if you produce something really great it would be hard not to to share it especially if that's what your whole career and life is wrapped up in but it's just shitty beyond reason. Yeah. But I, I can, I, so based on that, based on like, you know, him looking at something that's, you know, sort of maybe his magnum opus or whatever and being like, you know, un, unable to turn away from, from his career and from all of that sort of stuff and being able, and being, you know, I have to, you know, it's what I have to do. It's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of his last chance there to when Michelle came and uh, was honest with him and told him like it was his last chance to either side with his daughter or side with his career. Yeah. And he went with the career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it. You know, it just it makes sense. It's a story choice. The title is just so. Ugh. <laughs> I don't remember what the title was. Show me where it hurts. Uh, oh, that was pretty good. Um, yeah. and also there's a line where they're yelling. 
where he's like, he's a symbol. And she's like, he's the man who raped me. He's not a symbol. Um, and he like still tries to answer that. And I'm just like, I can't even. Well, that's just like, he's feeling so bad that he can't acknowledge at all, you know, what yeah. he did or whatever. Cause so. if he does, it'll, yeah, it'll, that'll, it'll just, yeah, it'll, it'll wreck him and, yeah. and he can't. And he does acknowledge it later. I mean, like when yeah. he thinks of that, that uh, I'm going to go back, let's, let's go through the, well, in order, if that's okay. Let's go Sorry. back to start with, uh, Edward Donahue. And also, cause, cause I want to try to compare and see if certain, certain stories match George's books. I don't know about the first one. I don't know if the first one matches what he's done before, but it's interesting how he, when Edward Donahue shows up, he's first like happy to see him. Well, once he gets over the crazy part, he's like <laughs> he's happy to see him. But then the guy starts telling him some harsh truths, how he like, I'm who you wanted to be, not who you were. And, and you stole it from your friends' lives. You were a loser and you just copied them to create me kind of thing. He, the, the Edward kind of reminded me of, uh, oh gosh, Armageddon rag, just the, his vibe in um, the flashbacks from that. Hmm. So I would say, like, the book Armageddon Rag matches one of the later books that crashed horribly. Like, that's <laughs> supposed to be, like, related to that. If This is this is written mm-hmm. at the right time, too, right? Armageddon Rag was before 86, right? So I don't know what work it matches. It doesn't that it has to match it directly, but... And based off the Edward thing, you get that flashback where you see how they were trying to name the child, and he wants to name the character Edward. And the wife wants to name their son. If he, they, doesn't, if it's a son. he doesn't want to name the character Edward. I mean, the character is already named Edward. Already been Edward. And to him, it's real, right? Yeah, characters yeah. are real yeah. to, the, to the... Yeah, I kind of had to side with him on that one. Really? Yeah, but, like, she's clearly not a good person for him to be married to, I yeah, guess. Yeah, no Not kidding. a good match for each other, yeah. Not a good match, no. <laughs> At the same time, like, his argument with her is absolutely unacceptable. Oh, yeah. so... I don't understand that argument from either side. Like both of them are crazy people. Like, I, don't... <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what in the hell is wrong with both of you? <laughs> like it's, what, you're it's... so attached to the name Edward that you're like, no, you it can't be for the book. It's for our child. Like, so... it's like you don't have to do Lawrence. It's like how a million other names you. Can yeah, do. Like, exactly. Like, like uh, that yeah. argument from both sides. I was just like, yeah. I could not sympathize with either person. Also, because like what? Where did where do you think she got the idea for the name? She it's got from it, him, right? Yeah, she did. It's not like she came into the marriage and and, and had the idea of Edward. No, she's challenging him with it. Yeah, it's like a symbol, basically. It's being it's it's like a fighting point. It's not really the name. It's just she wants to get from him that the child's more important, and he's not giving that to her. But it just yeah, it's dumb. Also, like he's crazy. They can have the same name. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Lots she can have it for her have reasons. He can Edward. have it for her reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh. it's not exactly like a unique name or anything that everybody's going to be like, oh. Just make, name one of them Ned. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, I don't know if he was trying to be creepy in the sense that when his character started calling him dad and daddy, like, it just, it just added another level of creepiness to it. Because I know that he does have the line of, like, how you, you know, you come from my brain, not my sperm, so you're more, you're more me than my children. But it's just it just it just came across as creepy to me, just the way that uh, they called him daddy and especially the second one, the daughter. But I, I did get a little like Christmas Carol vibe before they even mentioned us. I wrote like, yeah. Christmas Carol with a question mark. And then he goes, this yeah. ain't no fucking Christmas Carol, old man. And I sure ain't no ghost of Christmas. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, that wasn't as subtle as I thought I was yeah. being. <laughs> and then I like how it said, like, this is not in character. You would have never read it. It's like, no, I saw the movie. It's right. the character. That was just like, inconsistent with the uh, delusion. Yeah. Can right, you imagine so, from like their point of view, like you're sitting down speaking to someone who knows literally everything that's in your head. Like that's 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 creepy, also. Yeah, sissy is so much creepier though. Let's move on. Is yeah. sissy the next one? That yeah, comes? yeah, and it skips over his other works because they weren't like real or that successful. It jumps to sissy. Um, She's like it's... this eighteen-year-old honeypot, I guess. From what's what what's her role in the story she was in? She was like the his love interest for one because the yeah. the wife that was the book that the, his wife was like like everyone knows this is me you know you really are you're in love with sissy oh, yeah because yeah, the husband left the nagging the wife, wife or something in the book yeah. yeah now that fight was toxic yeah yeah um, yeah yeah black roses is what the it, yeah that's the, the editor changed it to black roses so yeah he wanted to call it dead flowers <laughs> but it was big it, it, and it paid they were finally able to afford a down payment on the house. Transfer Michelle to a private school in the braces, and then he invested the money. Then Helen hated the book. She was happy when it went off the best thing, and she don't like being married to a pornographer. Well, like, she she's also awful. Like, that's the worst way she could have made that argument. Yeah. Like, it, 
it's almost designed to make you simple, at least for me, like I almost like I don't sympathize with him because he clearly like because everything she says is true. He does like write about his cow of a wife. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like perfect 18 year old dream girl, mm-hmm. which is gross also because he's, you know, like an adult. Yeah. But at the same time, like the way she she lands his criticism of him is by calling him a pornographer. Like, really? Like, you're not going to criticize him for like the harm he's caused you or for. Or for, like, fantasizing about leaving you, he decides to do it by just, like, I don't know. It, like, it's just, it's a baffling argument. Yeah, it definitely gives him a better comeback. Whereas if she'd focused on the the cruel and cutting things he was saying about the wife character in the book and how her, you know, how her friends were, you know, oh, you poor thing, your your husband, you know, wrote this all and obviously it's about you. If she had focused on that, she would have at least had, you know, he would have had no recourse. But yeah. for her to just say, oh, you, you're a dirty old man, yeah. you know, sex is an important part of life. That's actually true. So, yeah. But when he says that and then she's like, I'm not a prude, don't dare me, Can you call me a prude. It reminds me of like Game of Thrones. Where yeah. like, I, I would say the same thing when I complain about Game of Thrones going over the top. It's like, I'm not a prude. You're the guys that are going over the top with this crap just trying to sell it. Yeah. Also, I, I don't know if your copy of this has this real quick before we go into the next one. Yeah. But have you read the the little speech he gives? Well, he, this this novel won the Nebula or when he won the Nebula Award, he oh, said there was there was a controversy over whether it should even be there. You mean it's at the top of my PDF version of this. Um, and it's I don't know when he said this, but the truth of it is writers do have peculiar relationships with their characters. They are children in more senses than one. They are born of our imaginations, carry much of our selves in them, and embody whatever dreams we dream of immortality. I cannot claim to be an exception. Abner Marsh and Joshua York, Sandy and Maggie and Froggy, Val Wanwang and Half-Faced Brett and Braith, Kenny with his monkey, Poor Wasted Melody, the improved model Melantha Jurl, and the callous Simon Cress, and of course, my lost Leah. When I type, I can see their faces. This is a writer's story, yes, and more true than some of us would care to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I really like as an introduction, but... Yeah. It definitely goes, you know, it, <clears throat> it, it just reinforces the, the vibe of this story, I guess. That you have to, you know, a successful writer, I don't know how you could be successful if you did not care to that level and didn't put that degree of yourself into what you were doing. It's, it's a two-way street where you, you obviously draw from life for your work, but it goes backwards where your work will then bleed back into your life and it will affect the people mm-hmm. around you. And this, this is an extreme example of that, but, you know, like I, I kind of try to think of like um, E.L. James who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey a couple years ago where all of a sudden it's the number one book. Grandmas are reading it. 15-year-olds are reading it. <laughs> like how does her husband feel about this? Like I, I'm actually interested. Yeah. This kind of made me think of that. Hmm. Like I'm sure he's not angry that she's making millions and millions of dollars, but it might be a little emasculating for him. Yeah. I'll take the millions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that book made so much money that at one point Random House literally just cut $5,000 checks to every single employee from like janitors to editors. They just oh, gave everybody $5,000 because they didn't think they could make that much money. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. This story in particular, like, because we always, we always look at George's life and try to make comparisons, which always feels a little bit weird, but I feel like this kind of justifies it like if you yeah. want to understand the work it's okay to look at the guy's life and... he's really open about how and insp- how like how much he pulls from his own life which i like i think that's a and he also he doesn't overdo it like he, he doesn't always write about writers yeah but in, so in, if we're done with sissy i guess or i mean like it, it has one a whole... little thing about her is he's a little annoyed that that he got his like awesome night of passion <laughs> Like he was, he was, he started off kind of afraid, but you know, the the whole confrontation with the other two sons were really supposedly eye opening for him and kind of laying bare his soul. Yeah. And she, she was just like pure pleasure. Well, um, and I, I was like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> I sort of thought that that one was, a, that it's all about him seeing something. And like, I don't think he'd ever admitted that what his wife said was true about Sissy until here. Mm. Yeah, I don't think he that's what admitted I admitted to himself or to anyone else that like he was in love with her and that like she was his fantasy, which is especially mm-hmm. weird because obviously she's a fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also, we don't at this point we're not. He's not sure one hundred percent if this is actually happening because he's like, oh, f it, I'll just go with it. It's really not until the the third guy visits where he like prepares and he's like, okay, he'll he's coming. But this also all takes away from it because I don't know if I just missed it or at the end. 
I mean, we're allowed to talk about the ending, right? Yeah. At yeah. Order. Are we under the impression that he, he he paid the guy to make the portraits, and none of this was actually happening, or were there were these people actually visiting him? It wasn't just in his head. I I always got the impression that after his daughter left, he sort of cracks. Yes. He kind of split personality, orders these yeah. paintings because he's decided he's done with his real kid and he wants just these guys. To replace the painting that was damaged. Oh, no, I, I get, yeah, I get that. But, like, and do you I think he's actually, like, picturing this stuff happening or he's just having a conversation with himself? It's for personality. They're all parts yeah. of himself. I think he's just... I think there's no fantasy in this actual story. And he talks about... Well, that, that was my big thing. It's like, well, okay, then why is this a fantasy story? <laughs> it's just a dark... It's, well, then he, he argues that at the start. He's like, well, it doesn't matter. They're all it's just, like, about struggles of the human heart. Doesn't yeah, matter. what is it? what is it he says to himself when he finds the bottle? He says, like... Um, He'd experienced some sort of insane, drunken, somnambulist episode. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. I think that's the whole story. Yeah. Um, See, that's just, I have more questions. and like, It's a great <laughs> story, but like, I, I don't like not knowing because short stories are supposed to wrap up. I mean, it's supposed to have a, not supposed, I don't like to say supposed to. You yeah. Know, but it, I think the better ones do wrap up well. And this one just tricked me. I don't like being tricked. <laughs> but he says that when it was nominated for both those awards, it was, there's debate about whether it should be eligible. But yeah. I think it's. He kept he left it open enough so he could be so he could get the <laughs> Also, I'm sorry to say I gotta run. Okay. Um, we've talked a little about Nicole, I guess, so I don't feel bad. Um, enjoy Barry Layton without me. I'll see you guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Uh, yeah. Bye, man. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Let me know what we decide for next week. Okay, well we're not doing next week because <laughs> yeah. I was good. We get a week with no assignments. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, no homework, no reading assignments for a week. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we were talking about, um, yeah, I think, it, oh, just overall, I don't, I think because we find out where the source of the paintings is, and it's just like he hired someone, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any actual fantasy stuff going on. It's I just did, my... I did have, I was a little uh, unclear as to, yeah, he, he probably did that and, you know, ordered the portraits and didn't remember them, but I also thought, well, she, did, did Michelle order that, order those and send him the tab? Um, and I, and I also, um, wondered, I mean, if she had painted them because it sounded like, I mean, it, I'm clearly it wasn't cause it was like, it was a bill from the artist and it didn't say like it was a bill from Michelle, but I just wondered if, if anonymous, if anonymously she had, um, huh. created these for him as a, I don't know. I don't think she would ever forgive him. In fact, I don't think she did just because. I think she's smart enough to be done with him. But I did have that thought, like, maybe it was him, but maybe it was her. He did say it was, like, the best work she ever did. So if it was her, it was really stretching. Like, it was, like, a better, it probably was a better artist than her. When you got the first one, it was, like, this is the best she's ever done in terms of quality. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know. I, I'm not uh, completely certain. I mean, I mean, I'm... You know, sort of willing to go with any of you know three or four different explanations, but I mean, there's other things, right? Like I don't know. Like I felt like he recognized the way they were addressed, you know, and the fact that mm. he got them, you know, one day and then the next day and then the next day, and I mean, that's really weird. I mean, that's weird. Yeah, he did period. keep mentioning the, the the handwriting that he recognized, yeah. and I think we automatically assumed that it was Mel. It was um Mel, Nicole. Mm. Nicole. Who am I Michelle? talking about? Michelle. Michelle? Sorry. <laughs> Too many stories, <laughs> um, but but that that is another level that it was probably his handwriting. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah. So you think uh, when you say his, you mean the author? Oh uh, yeah, okay. Cantling. So in that case, you think he already had them and then he addressed them and put them on his porch? Oh, that's another level. I just think what is he just working outside, like plopping a box down, going inside, or, or like ringing his <laughs> and then coming around the house. Because yeah, earlier he was like, I always tell them to like ring me yeah. when they bring them, but they just keep leaving them there. Maybe it's because it's he himself is putting, putting them, them in. There. Yeah, putting mm-hmm. them there. Putting on a UPS uniform, yeah. throwing it in the room. Because it matches the last story as well. It kind of hints yeah. like that. Yeah, it's funny. And you know what else matches the uh, the last story? I mean, just right after the sissy encounter, he wakes up and he makes blueberry pancakes. <laughs> and then in, in the remembering melodies is always like oh you always love blueberry pancakes yeah. and stuff so maybe George likes blueberry pancakes that's what I just had for lunch <laughs> <laughs> alright so the third encounter is with uh, who is it with it's with Barry 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 yeah. Layton he who, was my favorite like he's the one yeah. I want to hang out with even though he's got his and he works in a newspaper room and that kind of stuff with George himself who did as well right that's sort of mm. yeah. journalism so what does he say 
Oh, is this the failure book? This is the book that's a big failure. He thought it was going to be his best one, and then no one read it. Yeah, I think this is the, the book that, that he thinks was his best work, but yeah. of course, the you know, with that, that could have been... Yeah, with Ty's Armageddon rag in that failure, right. because afterwards he was in, his career was in shambles for a while. Mm. And he, like, I think he was fighting with his editor in the story. He was trying to like do this, and the editor wanted this, and he's like, no, I want to do this thing, and then nobody wanted it. I did think it was interesting that each progressive night he felt like the the first night after the first encounter, he wakes up the next morning and he makes this big breakfast and he blah, blah, blah. And then after the second one, he kind of just goes through the motions. And then after this encounter, he's just like, you he know, throws the breakfast up, up right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. This is, uh, what, what's his main reveal? He's talking about how he doesn't remember his daughter's birthday. You were a lousy husband, miserable father. He, he was, this was where they started making reference to the last book, right? And he's like, I remember what you, what your little secret words to her were. The whole show me where it hurts thing. He doesn't remember important dates. He just, I mean, he remembers it based off his books. not, not the Right. People. Yeah, that's, a, that was, I was going to say how he's, you know, he's, he basically all his important things. It's what I was doing, what I was writing at the time. And he even calls him out. He's like, that's an interesting system of dating you've got there. You ought to put an account there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the stories for Michelle were he was thinking about publishing. That was, I guess, one of his motives for doing them. Mm-hmm. And he hates to be interrupted when he writes. That's like a big thing. He likes to. He reads her, like, read Michelle books, and it's like all the books you wanted to reread anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything he does is like some motive related to himself. Yeah, that just goes to the theme of how inherently selfish and self centered he is. Yeah. But he's he is part of, I kind of I understand him because he's. He, he probably knows that deep down, but he does try to do something good along with the bad, you know. Mm. So I, I don't yeah. think Stannis would like him by any means. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can see where he's coming from. So then we get to the tough part to read in the story is when he finds out about his daughter was raped. Like I was trying to think of – I'm trying to think of a book or a story that I've read that had – I mean it's just anytime you're dealing with a subject, it's going to be dark. But just the way it's handled, yeah. just with her crawling into bed with him and, and it's throwing back to when she was a child and he would protect her. It's just this – it's it's maybe one of the most powerful things I've ever read. Like I'm just trying to think of a single scene mm. or, that I'm I really I can't. I mean I'm sure there there is something, but it's it's definitely up there. And I'm this is another. I keep reading these stories and I'm angry that I haven't found out about them until now. But yeah. so he he does the right thing by taking her in and trying to help her. Yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting that he finally. Yeah. You know, when she really, really needed him, he, he finally was there and, you know, moved his whole life. And, you know, just you kind of wonder if, if she had never gotten herself back and kind of gotten back on her feet, you know, would he have been happy to just not write and just take care of her for the rest of his life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing, um, and just in terms of him finally doing the right thing, is that he is obviously uh, looking at his past. I mean, this, throughout the story, he's looking at his past through a whole lot of guilt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's not entirely clear what kind of father he really was prior to that either. Like he may have been, you know, perfectly, you know, he didn't there was certainly nothing that he did that seemed to be really bad and i mean he did you know he was didn't seem to be you know abusive or neglectful or, or anything like that like he missed some you know dance recitals or whatever it was but uh i don't know necessarily that i think that he was a bad father previously yeah a little distant but still yeah, maybe loving a distant, i mean he did change diapers yeah. yeah well she gave him that portrait i mean like yeah, they weren't exactly. horrible yeah. status before they were just a bit distant but they were okay and then yeah yeah better than with his wife so mm. yeah and then yeah so lately in saying it was a far far better thing you did there you'd ever done if only he'd stopped there and keep going with the writing <laughs> so then uh he's worried after after like that that the character that he writes about in the story is going to show up uh, yeah i thought that's kind of where it was going to be this horror whole horror ending where like the rapist was going to show up and kill him or something like that yeah it was almost darker what actually happened yeah it was interesting that he didn't he didn't figure out the connection like he just thought okay it's going to be somebody from that last book and it's you know clearly this whole process is just to torture me so it must be the the killer or rapist i guess um but you know oh it's actually you know the portraits are the characters that he is closest to that he loves the most you know and in the meantime before he figured that out he kind of went crazy yeah yeah, mm-hmm. that's when we get the flashback to Michelle. 
which we kind of, I guess we talked about, but just, uh, just the title, Show Me Where It Hurts. It's also just a terrible yeah, title. Yeah, I was going to say, he needs, that, that the, he needs say, the Dead Roses this? editor to come in and, like... Yeah. <laughs> come up with a different yeah. one. Yeah. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't pass in today's world, that kind of title. Well, not in the in the self-published world, yes. <laughs> not <laughs> in the regular world. There are some pretty bad titles out there. Uh, a lot involving dinosaurs and women <laughs> that I won't name. <laughs> well, I'm kind of intrigued now. Yeah, she comes and she's like, you knew you bastards, you knew that what you're doing, publish it for millions of people. Yeah, and it's almost, it's just more of a double punch because she's finally over it. It's, it's yeah. She's back getting her life and then she has to walk down the street and see, you know, bookstore shelves yeah. full of it, which it's just another. Yeah. And then uh, also the blame game that's in there as well, right? That's oh, she's getting pretty... pity from strangers now. No, but is... I mean, not even that, but I mean, like the way that the card is written, it's just like, she's so stupid to be living there oh. and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like just the blame thing yeah. is coming as well, which is just horrible. She definitely had, I think she was pretty justified in cutting ties. Yeah. I mean, through their whole life of him being, you know, not a terrible dad, not great. It, it, it just is just unforgivable. Because yeah. to, to be that blind, to think, oh, here's a good idea. I'm going to publish this. Yeah, and this is the line show me that hurts is the monster's line. And so, like, it's the dad who's the monster. Did you guys think that, or, or Michael, did you just say that that you were expecting some horror ending with with the guy? Like I, I thought it was a cool kind of tr- not trick, but just a yeah. surprise to, that it was the the daughter character from the book. I like that. I like that the guy was expecting. I like that the guy was, you know, um, expecting his punishment and willing to face his punishment. Right, like. He didn't burn the painting and run out of the house or anything like that. He was like, well... Oh, yeah. He would accept that yeah. it was the only thing, it was the only right. Exactly. So he was sitting there waiting to be punished. Yeah. Well, and you wondered if if he had not come to that realization, was there kind of a Schrodinger's cat under, under the brown wrapper? Like, hmm. if he had not finally accepted and taken on his... his uh, guilt i guess about about what he did you know would he have opened it up and it would have been the rapist wow. i feel bad for that cat that's got to hang out with that rapist forever in that <laughs> box now he passed the test, maybe he passed melody's test maybe he's dead so he, he yeah. gets it open it's it's nicole the feeling was gone for the first he was first he was leave because it wasn't going to be the rapist then followed by an even greater sense of loss a loss so terrible and final meaning like he knows that he's truly lost his daughter i guess Feeling was gone, and then then he's looking back. Excellent work. Yeah, I mean, in the end, he he kind of helped himself. Like he he, because it's all coming from him anyway. He's, you know, like it kind of almost is a moral that hey, you you can work stuff out on your own, and you can get past it, even though it's at the expense of people in your life. But I think he thinks he won, right? Yeah. Well, he's well, not he's is... not going crazy anymore, but he still realized he's lost his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I kind of got the feeling like, did he just completely block her out of his memory? Like, did he not have a daughter from then on? Yeah, the daughter he'd never had. Because he, he, he felt that loss. You know, it was like the moment where he was just letting go of her and letting her let go of him. So then does he just go on his merry way? And I don't know. It, it was almost like he got off a little light. But I guess if you lose your daughter, that's... But if he doesn't remember, he lost his daughter. Is my point. Hmm. I think this is a good. I mean, it did leave me with questions, but it also it lets it leaves you thinking. You know what happened? What happened next? And that's always good, also. Hmm. Yeah. Or later, at least. You know, it would have been nice to have a little epilogue, but. Geez, I mean, pick a fun one next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough stories lately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was good. No final comments. It just uh, one thing it reminded me of was the whole time I was reading it, I was like, I kept thinking that I'd read it before with, you know, authors, characters coming to life. But there's a Stephen King short story, which they did do a uh, like a miniseries based on called Omni's Last Case, um, where this, you know, hard boiled detective like Raymond Chandler type comes down with cancer and he basically writes himself into his story. But in order for that to happen, he has to switch places. So his character comes into the real world. 
and uh, they did the miniseries of William H Macy. It was actually pretty good. But mm-hmm. he like he he's never gone to the bathroom before, and he thinks he's dying like the first time he craps his pants because like in fiction <laughs> that never uh-huh. happened. So there's all these little it's poking fun at, at at you know at writing basically. But it did you know it does it, it was a good uh, it definitely reminded me of that. And that came out in Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which was in the, the late '80s. But uh, yeah, I, I like you know poking fun at the, at the genre at, at your creations. Okay, I guess I'll wrap up. Thanks for joining me. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Check it was out, great. Yeah. Yeah. Ambassadors of Kingsgrave.wordpress.com as we continue our reviews of the earlier works by George R. R. Martin. Night Flyers is one of them we want to do, right? Night Flyers. Where is it? I was put on the forum here. For another downer, were we talking about Meat House Man at any yeah, point? Yeah, Meat House Man, I think, of... is on the list for some point. Yeah. It's on the list. Yeah. No. Or when, because, I mean, were you going to be out of commission for quite a while? Like, should we pick a, an, an actual novel? Yeah, oh, I'm not going to be able novel to, to do until the uh, <laughs> end of the month. I'll be back at the end of the month. At the end of? July. July. Oh, okay. That's not that long. Do you, do you need another podcast project, Amber? Is three God, in, no. one, in, in 24 hours no. not enough for you? <laughs> but my thought was that if we pick like an actual book book that we can push it out until like, you know, end of August or something. Yeah. But I, I have I do have Armageddon Rag and uh, Tough Voyaging, which I haven't read yet, but I, I will get to them at some point. I think probably Dying of the Light is what we wanted to do. I love that story. Hmm. Fits right into a sci-fi universe. Yeah, yeah. Dying the Light, Meat House Man. Those are the two. Meat House Man isn't a novel, but it's lengthy. So those two are probably good things to get through. And then Night Flyers. Night Flyers can be a standalone. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually do have to get going. Uh, we're recording a podcast today, by the way, at 9 p.m. Pacific, oh, nice. 12 Eastern. Oh, yeah, uh, the podcast podcast. Yeah, two nice. chapters. Yeah. Cool. Everybody? Is Mimi going to be there? No, probably not. If Mimi's not there, then we have room for a guest host if somebody wants to join us. Well, we'll actually be recording our own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> At what time? Same At time? 9 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. No, it's 9 o'clock Eastern. This is 9 Pacific. Oh. So you oh, should God. have plenty of time. I, that'll, be four, that'll be four podcasts in, in 28 hours. I don't know if I can do that. That's probably all you guys need to get into the, what the, what the, what the, what yeah, the club called? Saying. If you want to get into yeah. the Triple Gold Club, this is your best chance because you never know when we will We'll report. be on Skype. Yeah. Oh my goodness. My <laughs> husband would be so happy. <laughs> well, well, I definitely don't have time to reread the chapters between now, now and now. They're not, they're not that long. <laughs> Mimi never rereads them, so you should be fine. <laughs> well, we expect more of a guest, so. Oh, that's true, yeah. It's, the, it's, it's not the last two chapters, it's the two before that. Make us proud, Michael. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm at work, already, unfortunately. Already, 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 he's already got the triple gold. Yeah, that's I awesome. I'm, I'm just resting on my laurels. If you triple gold, this is your best <laughs> Because honestly, after after this month or two, it's going to be rare recording. So yeah, we'll, we'll be on. We'll see. There'll be plenty to talk about once the Worlds of Ice and Fire come out. I'm sure I, I foresee many episodes across all the all yeah. the, the mediums. All right. <laughs> see you later then. All right, see you guys yeah, later. Right. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. Hope it doesn't go on Darkling plane. <laughs> yes. Let me know if you need the uh, the file, but mine seems to be here. I mean, is there any chance that you guys are going to be anywhere in his vicinity at Comic Con? Yeah, I think, I mean, he, he has a signing table, so I'll take some stuff there to get signed if I get in. I think there's like a lottery or something to get tickets to get signing, because <laughs> he can't sign everything. Yeah. But I'll take a couple of books with me. <clears throat> and he has a panel and stuff, so I'll go to that. Hello. Hey. Hi. I think so I might give him the uh, second art book if I do nice. have tickets. Oh, yeah. Because he has the first <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dates for the two works. Uh, Portraits of his children is 86. 86? Okay. What about uh, Remembering Melody? I think he says he wrote it around 1979. 
Is everyone here? Mm. I'm here, but it looks like maybe Amber and Greg aren't quiet. Alright, let me just check something here. I want to see when George is living with roommates. <laughs> yeah. Is it, uh... <clears throat> Hello? Hey. Oh, hi. <clears throat> George saying his wedding song was Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Maybe we should have taken that as a clue. <laughs> I like the way he does his autobiography. It's like this kind of... Yeah, me too. Over. You get to learn all about him as you work your way through the books, or the short stories. I wonder if he would be quite so honest now with his meteoric rise in fame. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't have to write all this info here. This is stuff on his website. He could take it off. Oh, uh, yeah. That's... All right, so we're all here? I am. Oh, Greg, Greg <laughs> dropped off, I think. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think Greg has. Try one more time. George would sell his books at, at old cons. He'd just take his books to the cons and sell them. I got to take my stuff to the... I, I really want him to sign some of my, like, tough voyages. I mean, I have a signed tough yeah. and a signed dying of the light. But, like, I want to get, like, my dream songs and the Hedge Knight ones signed, too. Mm. All right. So, uh, who's recording? <clears throat> What's that? Who's recording? I should oh, be. I've got one. I've got one going. But, and is, was Melody actually released in 79? Do we know when it was released? It was, I wrote it down somewhere. Wasn't it 81? Is that the, the Twilight Zone magazine, 81? Or was it before that? Hmm. That's what it says in the contents here. Yeah, it looks like it. I guess it took some time to find somewhere that would... Uh... <clears throat> oh, wow. It was actually uh, done in HBO series. Like, they uh, adapted into the uh, Hitchhiker series. Which one? Oh, Remembering Melody. Yeah, Remembering Melody. I wonder if that's <laughs> available somewhere. I'd like to see that. And there was there's two adaptations, a student film as well. I guess we'll mention that at the end of the first review. All right, are we looking good to start here? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Yep. All right, episode. 40. <clears throat> All right, here we go. <clears throat> 